Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I want to thank you for listening. Please look around the site. You'll find hundreds of audios featuring great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea and other lands, Bible studies. My books you'll find on Amazon.com. You can contact me personally at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. And do check out my new website that allows you to tune in to the new Hackberry Radio. Just go to hackberryhouseofchosun.com, take a look, and a listen. Well, I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor by William Gurnall. He was the English Bible scholar and pastor. He died in 1679. Now, his book is divided, at least volume one that I'm reading from, is divided several ways, and he calls the first part the first consideration that was the saint's armor. The second consideration was the nature of the war, and we finished that last time. We're going on to the third consideration of volume one, which is a second exhortation to be armed. First, the exhortation... And the implication, we're in Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. In this verse, the apostle's words, take unto you the whole armor, seem to repeat his instructions in verse 11, put on the whole armor. Well, no doubt he uses repetition to emphasize a point. In his intervening statement, which is verse 12, he gives a full report of Satan's power and malice and discloses his evil design against the saints. Now he sounds an alarm to battle and bids them, Arm! Arm! But if we look more closely at the verse, a new revelation of truth will unfold to us. First, we'll discuss why the apostle repeats the exhortation so soon, And second, the results that will follow. First, that you may be able to withstand, that is, be able to fight. And second, having done all, to stand, that is, be able to conquer. First observation. The implications of a repeated admonition. When your child is finally old enough to cross the street alone, do you send him off with a wave of the hand and a casual reminder to be careful? Of course not. You tell him over and over again exactly what he needs to know to ensure his safety. Paul knew all too well the dangers these young Christians faced. He longed to have them forewarned and forearmed. Out of the depth of his conviction that God's armor was their only hope came the compelling need to remind them once again, put it on. Paul was like the conscientious workman who drives one nail squarely home with repeated blows before he takes up a second. Too many preachers resemble the carpenter who, in a rush to finish a job, uses tacks instead of screws to fasten the legs of a chair. True, he'll be done sooner, but how long will his workmanship hold? Impatient preachers, before they have nailed down the last truth securely, are already off on another. If they were more sensitive to their congregations, they would realize that unless they hit the truth squarely on the head, they're not likely to penetrate the consciences of their hearers. 
Most of us are spiritually hard-headed. We need to have the truth hammered home with repeated blows. Not only that, but we generally retain best those truths which are simplest and least cluttered with extraneous ideas. In shopping for clothes, I'm more likely to make a purchase if the salesman shows me only a few choice items from which to choose. If he pulls everything off the racks and piles it in a heap, I'm only confused, unable to get a good look at anything. To know one foundational truth well is better than to have heard them all, but understand none. Imperative truths is the next section. A preacher should not apologize for preaching the same truth over and over. Paul himself says, To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. For you, it is safe. Three sorts of truth should be preached regularly from the pulpit. First, primary Fundamental truths. These are the truths everyone must know and believe for salvation, the verities upon whose shoulders the whole weight of Christianity rests. The fundamental truths of the gospel are landmarks to keep us safely within the boundaries set by God. Suppose your grandfather owned some property, which at one time had been carefully surveyed. He was there when they set the stakes. He could have paced it off blindfolded but he never took the time to show anyone else the markings. Over the years, the markers rotted, were rooted up, or washed away. Now your grandfather has died and and left the land to you. But a dishonest neighbor claims it is his, and as proof of ownership points to the burgeoning crop of corn that he has planted. You discover that the deed and land description have been lost. Since you do not really know the proper boundary lines yourself, how will you defend your case in court? You'll probably end up losing your property because no one ever told you where it ends and your neighbor's begins. The spiritual parallel is this. Every fundamental truth has some evil neighbor, that is heresy, butting up against it, eager to plant a crop of lies upon the sacred ground of God's holy word, and thus fool the saints. And the very reason that a spirit of error has encroached so far upon the truth in the last few years is because ministers have not walked the boundaries of the gospel with their people and acquainted them with these primary truths. We have both staples and luxuries in our religion, just as in our homes, Luxuries are wonderful and often enhance our appreciation of the staples, but they quickly lose their appeal when our basic needs go unmet. What pleasure is there in dining from fine china if you have no food to put on the plate? Of what value is a silk blouse in winter if you have no coat? And then precarious truths. A preacher should preach not only fundamental truths, but also those truths he observes to be most frequently undermined by Satan. These are often the ordinances of God that should dictate the Christian's response to controversial issues of faith and practice. To know which doctrines are under greatest attack among his own congregation, a pastor must read and study his people as diligently as any book in his library. From the personal tone of Paul's letters, we can surmise that he frequently paced the boundaries of the young church, looking for encroaching errors. 
when he discovered that false apostles had infiltrated the Galatian church and were preaching the law again? How he pounded home the gospel truth of justification by faith. When word came to him of divisions and strife among the Corinthians, what poured forth from his heart but that peerless exhortation on love? Pastor, your flock may sometimes grow restless and complain that you keep them in the same pasture too long by preaching on one sin. The fault is not yours, but theirs, if they keep straying away from the shepherd every time your back is turned. Who can blame a dog for continuing to bark when the wolf is still prowling around the fold? If you long to grow in the likeness of Christ, do not pray for a preacher who will entertain you with a clever new topic each Sunday. Plead instead for a man of principle who will preach against sin and for truth without compromise until his people repent and turn from their evil ways. And then practical truths. These are the bread and salt truths. Whatever else is on the table, they must be present at every meal. Peter puts it this way, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you already know them. That's 2 Peter 1.12. He was speaking specifically about those things that we need to know to live a Christ-like life from one day to the next. You should never grow weary of hearing practical truths preached. When a man loses his taste for meat and vegetables and wants nothing but dessert at every meal, we know something is seriously wrong. How sad that our present age is far advanced in this spiritual disease that spoils our appetites for anything but honeyed phrases and sugar-coated doctrines. If you love God, love His truth. Receive gladly the doctrines that equip you for the task God calls you to. Faith and repentance will be good doctrines to preach and hear to the end of the world. You may as well quarrel with God for making only one way to heaven— as to quarrel with the minister for preaching the message of faith and repentance again and again. Both babies in Christ and mature Christians need to hear this truth. If your heart were humble and your palate spiritual, old truths would be new to you every time you heard them. In heaven the saints draw all their wine of joy at one tap, Christ. Yet it never tastes flat. God is the one object that fills their souls, and they never weary of Him. It shall be so for all eternity. And how can we weary of anything here on earth that speaks of God and His love? Having said all this, let me make one thing clear. I am not excusing any slothful servant in the work of the gospel who wraps up his talent in idleness or buries it in the earth while he plays all week long. Such a minister has nothing to set before his people on the Lord's Day, but one or two moldy loaves, which were kneaded many years before. That's K-N-E-A-D. This is not good stewardship. Yes, we need to hear the old truths, but that does not mean we should never hear new. If the minister does not study and pray to increase his stock of knowledge and wisdom, he is the worst thief in town. It is inexcusable for a man entrusted with the care of an orphan to let the child's estate lie dormant because he's too lazy to invest the funds. Much more for a preacher not to improve his gifts, 
which I might call his people's estate, and which he should invest for the good of their souls. Woe to the man of God who wastes his days in frivolous activities, or spends more time figuring out how to line his own pockets than how to add to his people's gifts and graces. We'll go to the second observation the next time. Thank you so much again for being here. And uh, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.